like it's 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 a it's it's awesome like in the the trail ultra running space you know we we um yeah we're, we're a quirky bunch you know <laughs> and I, I come across you know i come across uh, yeah a lot of uh, folks out there on the trails and um you, you know you end up in those like awesome conversations where you like share some life stories and yeah a lot a lot of us like in the in the sort of trail running and um, ultra running space uh you know have come from adversity and um, whether it's like for addiction or just other like life events or yeah burnout and just yeah different different circumstances from different people but um Kia ora that was Chris Lucas I'm Matt Raymond I'm Eugene Bingham and this is Dirt Church Radio interesting conversations with interesting runners <laughs> Hey Eugene, bro, do you know what the difference between blackberries and blackcurrants is? Oh. Blackberries are bigger. Blackberries are bigger. They are segmented, so there's lots of little nubbins and nodules, and they're sweeter than the smaller pea-sized and infinitely better for you uh, blackcurrants that go into currants, which is a recovery super product, I'll say. Um, there's tons of studies that currants have done and commissioned and have been done on currents that talk about, you know, reduced fatigue, uh, higher blood flow, stuff like hemoglobin, another magic that, you know, people who understand the inside of bodies know about. Um, heaps of very good athletes like Sean Collins, Ruth Croft, you know, uh, Andrew Hayden, Dougal Allen and regular puds like myself use it and don't get the DOMS. But if you want the if you want the lowdown and duty on the science, go to the website currents.co.nz to check it out. And uh, if you like what you see and you want to order some, you can use the t- the code DirtChurch for twenty percent off your first order. And if you get it and you go, you know, this is actually junk. And it won't be because it's not. You can return it for a money-back guarantee if you're not getting the recovery benefits. Like if you break your foot and go, it's the current's fault, then, I mean, you know, get in the bin. But, you know, these little currents, these little currents from the Canterbury Plains are just the bee's knees. So, yeah, if you go to currents.co.nz for the goods. Dead church. What a good deal. Hey, uh, also, don't forget to use your code DCR2020. Sorry. DCR2022, don't use that other one I just said, DCR2022, to get 15 months Wild Things VIP membership for the price of 12, uh, mm. keeps Rob happy. We all want to keep Rob happy, right? You know, And you'll be happy yeah. too because you can dive into a bunch of VIP uh, membership benefits. You can go shopping with it on the VIP membership. The, sorry, on the Wild Things shop. Um, you can have a look at the peak directory you can have a look at the trail directory you can dive around all of there with glee if you've got your 15 months vip membership for the price of 12 use the code dcr 2022 do it we both look delicious and i use that term literally uh in our ultraspire zygos 5 packs that we got from ultraspire.nz and oh my god they're amazing um the 4.0 which is on special at the moment for a super sweet price was an excellent pack but these are amazing balls and we heartily recommend that if you want to if you want pretty much a duel you know you can take it for a little jaunt if you're going for a big day if you're going for a 
big big day then i would suggest getting one of these packs it holds all the gear the mando gear the hydration and everything else if you go to ultraspire.co.nz for the good deals lastly but certainly not leastly further faster if you go to the furtherfaster.co.nz they support us they're the best independently owned sportswear outdoors canoeing running dog loving shop in the known universe uh check out their otutahi urban adventure race coming up september 10th fantastic uh as per most of the stuff that they do this benefits the community and who wouldn't want to get out amongst it in christchurch ripping it up in different you know different ways of moving and enjoying the wonder of just traveling under your own power so amazing from further faster go to furtherfaster.co.nz check out the gear and wonderful human beings you can even pick up one of those hats with the pom-pom that you're wearing that i'm wearing right yeah. now yeah you, you could. could it's called a toque and go something like further faster there in Christchurch. Rocky is hairy and so is Badger. Jules is nice and Jack is delicious. Go to further faster now. Oh, further faster there in Christchurch. Rocky is hairy and so is Badger. Jules is nice and Jack is delicious. Go to further faster now. Dirt Church Radio. Episode 208 of the Dirt Church Radio Trail Running Podcast. The extravaganza continues. We made it. We did, and blown to the four winds this week, Eugene. We didn't, we didn't manage to get out for a run together, but goodness me, uh, you couldn't help but swing a stick and smack into an epic race somewhere. How, how was your week? Yeah, yeah. I mean, well, there was so much amazing running going on, wasn't there? Uh, it was mm. really quite hard to know where to look. It's so many tabs open. It was just bananas. <laughs> Um, running while looking at the phone, you know, got a bit, got a bit dangerous. Um, I went into town and caught up with our friend Saywan and went for a nice run. Um, I was saying to him that it was kind of weird because, you know, where we are, there's not, you know, I mean, you see other runners in the forest, but it's not like mm. lots of runners around. Whereas we started at the Domain in Auckland and it felt a bit like Central Park, New York or something. It was so busy. <laughs> I was just like a little bit freaked out. <laughs> it's like, what are all these people doing? Mm, but the, it was nice. Yeah, the, it was nice. They, they, they'd worked out your little secret. Um, yeah. It, yeah, I've I've gone from being I've I've gone back onto a little bit of shift work after a long time, nearly sort of two years of, of being strictly Monday to Friday guy. So having that extra day in the weekend of work, it's biting down a little bit, but I still managed to get it I still managed to get it done and you know, being out at we're starting your long run at four o'clock in the afternoon I on liked a Sunday. Your, you know. Um Strava title. What was it? Yeah. Insert inspirational and, quote here about just getting it done. <laughs> Yeah, and people have, and people have really come through. So to all those oh, who commented, I, I I thank you very much. We should run a competition but anyway. <laughs> we we should. Speaking about inserting inspirational quotes, yeah, yeah, for put the most inspirational quote next to the most mediocre run. But speaking of people who are inspirational and and run, uh, also not mediocrely, uh, Andrew Hayden. My mm. goodness me, what a what a great conversation that was. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, you know, speaking to someone who is extremely talented and extremely down to earth. Yeah, 
that was that was the main thing that I took from that within about 30 seconds of meeting him even before we started recording I was like this is going to be super fun because mm. I mean people either jump into one of two camps and that sort of in that space right you you get that that much ability and, and and discipline and dedication and he was in the kind of down-to-earth rad um humble and just quite fun camp so yeah it was it was yeah it was really cool and 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 you know you learn a lot too speaking to a runner of that caliber mm. Yeah, you sure do, sure do. Um, this week, Chris Lucas, um, you know, who together with his partner, Charlotte Mill, makes up uh, custom-made fitness. Um, Chris is a coach, runner, with a pretty impressive 100-mile performance, I must say, under his belt. Um, but also someone, you know, who's been through some times, as you might say. He's recently celebrated 15 years of sobriety. He's gone through some struggles with an autoimmune disease. And we talk all about that and coping with stress and failure and figuring out your place figuring out your place in life and also heaps of good times on the road um they're in charlotte um uh in a house bus we caught mm. them while they were stationary so there was no talking on the on the road uh, in case any in case dwight greaves listening he doesn't need to get his ticket book out it's okay um uh, but yeah it was we're looking forward to bringing that conversation aren't we Absolutely, and looking forward to catching up with them at the 24 Hours of Blue Lake, which is coming up in September as well. But look, quick shout out before we get into stuff you should know. Thank you to our Patreon patrons. Uh, if you want to set up a regular donation or make a one-off, then you can find us at patreon.com slash Radio. But if you're not into it for whatever reason, that's totally cool too. Dirt Church Radio is for the people. Stuff you should know. Holy moly. Uh, where to start? So this weekend we had Naseby, mm. the World 100K Champs featuring some great Kiwi wahine uh, yes. comrades. Um, yeah. And I was keeping yes. an eye out for um, uh, Camille Heron. And she, I think she finished up sixth. Uh, and, of course, some races in Europe that sound quite promising. A little town called Chamonix, UTMB. Yeah. yeah where do, I mean, where to begin? It was like, you know, Barbershops in Wellington, there was just so many of them. Yeah. You, know, you couldn't just turn around and there's one there. But first up, the, the great Naseby water race and little central Otago town that, you know, it it puts on just a fantastic midwinter race, which is the great Naseby water race, which is distances on a 10K loop course, which is all the way up to 200 miles, which looks, you know, oh. brutal. Um Nine runners went out and smashed that this year, including John Bain, Glenn Sutton, and the incredible Gene Beaumont. There was also some magnificent performance in the 100-mile one by Hayden, Tumaru, and Ina, Ina Chalmers. And I I mean, yeah, we're biased, aren't we? But hmm. I want to shout out to Scott Burgeon, who, with Murray Taylor, flew from Auckland to Dunedin, drove to Naseby, ran 80 kilometres, which Scotty won, jumped back in the car and flew back to Auckland all within 24 hours. I think... You know, they were talking about they had six minutes to spare at the gate at Dunedin Airport, which is a, a fairly good effort. If you pick, yeah. I mean, overall, it, it did. It looked like an amazing race. And if you think about Naseby too, you know, it's run on a water race, mm. so it's 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 a mainly a gravel track, isn't it? And yeah, it's very. It's um, when I was down there last year. It's very. Um, Similar to Riverhead, actually, those gra the gravel roads at Riverhead reminded me very much of that. Um, you do get to run alongside the water race, which is really cool. Uh, and, 
yeah, lots of trees and mm. fair bit of elevation. It's quite a thing. But also, that uh, the where you drop the high cars off at Dunedin Airport is actually quite a way from the checking gate. So I imagine they had a you know had to put the foot down <laughs> to get from there to the gate. Uh, it was yeah. not easy, not easy. Anyway. And I just wanted to shout out on the thing about the the gravel road, you could be fooled into thinking it wasn't very scenic. I mean, Brad Spears, oh, go check out his Instagram, look yeah. at the photos that he's posted on our Instagram story. He has captured some of the most incredible mm. uh, scenic photos, you know, the mountains in the background, everything like, well done, bro. Truly, talented chap, talented Truly chap. stunning work. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Hey, I'm not going to say gravel roads are not beautiful things because oh they are beautiful things yeah absolutely uh anyway next up the world 100k champs in berlin uh of course Aotearoa was represented by dawn tuffrey mal aiken and fiona hayweiss and they didn't gone and done great um dawn was sixth in her age group with a time of 8 41 53 which i think she said was a 20 second pb uh mal was eighth in her age group was 8.46.54 and Fiona ran 9.13.17 for, for another PB and 11th in her age group. So, you know, whoop whoop. Um, Kiwi team was 14th overall. I did see the poor old French because you had to get three runners to qualify for, to get points. And so their first two, number one and two in the race were French athletes. So you think they're home and host for the team prize. But then their third runner was 32nd. And in the meantime, the US had come through with low numbers and snatched the victory. Oh. Oh. I imagine there were harsh words said. Anyway, sacre bleu. Right. Speaking of uh, things which begin and end in France, uh, Ultra Trail Mont Blanc, uh, also known as the the Killian Journée show. I mean, my goodness me, if he hasn't sell- cemented his place as the greatest mountain athlete of all times, I... Mm. After this performance, I, I I don't know what will. Hey you know, Jim, hey, how many world mountain running titles has he got compared to well, John O'Reilly? Though true you that, know, true you know. that. Yep. <laughs> give the man, give the man, give, give John man. his due. Absolutely, absolutely. absolutely. Yeah. But anyway, no, no, world mountain ultra, um, oh, ma- mountain ultra goat. I think absolutely. Yeah, we'll, we'll allow that. <laughs> Jim Ormsley, I mean. It was the year, isn't it? The, the yeah. American men traditionally have high hopes for UTMB and, you know, sometimes those hopes, or most times those hopes are quite dashed. But Jim Ormsley, he went out, you know, fast, way under record pace and, you know, that eventually caught up with him and he had to get the shovel out and, and start digging. He mm. finished fourth. Killian and Matthew Blanchard eventually hunted him down, dueled it out, and then Killian struck and raced home with 11 kilometres to go. And if you see the footage of Killian chasing Matthew down the final descent, oh, my goodness oh, me. The quads, um, the quads. Yeah, Blanchard kept fighting but had to settle for second. Both of them under 20 hours, though. Killian's final time, 1949 30. Uh, that's huge. And And... I think Matthew Blanchard was five minutes back. So, yeah, you know, yeah. a real super ding-dong there. Just yeah, incredible. Yeah. I mean, and like we were talking yesterday, weren't we? Think about it. You know, hard rock, course record. Mm. Um, Sears and Al comes away with the win. Uh, course record at um, UTMB. And somewhere along the line, he's had COVID as well in the last Never six weeks. Yeah. Oh, amazing. Absolutely amazing. Um, you know, first one 14 years ago. Now he's got what four wins? So yep, this is his oh, fourth win. Amazing, 
amazing. Anyway, uh, in the women's field, it was Katie Scheid virtually from the start to finish. You know, she was dominant, dominant, dominant. Um, she did struggle with stomach issues around 100K and the gap really shrunk up. Um, uh, Katie is an American who lives in France. Uh, she ended up winning by 75 minutes from Marianne Hogan from Canada and Caitlin Gerben, who is also from America. Third, who says Americans can't win and dominate at UTMB, huh? Or North yeah. Americans. Amazing. There you, go. you know, we at home, we had high hopes here in Aotearoa for our boy Scotty Hawker, but it just wasn't his day. You no. know, this race. UTMB is famous for eating people up and spitting them out. You know, Hayden Hawks didn't have a good day. Neither did Sage Canada or our mate Tom Agusa. Um, you know, rest up, Farno. And, you know, especially for Scotty, you know, I know yeah. he'll be hurting, but mm. just try and be a bit kind to yourself because, you know, yeah. you did you did you have good days. just get to the start line. I mean, exactly. I, you know, the life of a professional athlete is you're on the edge. And sometimes that's not going to work out for you is it anyway who was spotted on the course was a dinosaur who sounded suspicious suspiciously like ruth croft uh, so i suppose she's scouting for next year no doubt <laughs> <laughs> i mean of course utmb week includes a bunch of other races uh this year caitlin fielder and nancy Zhang both raced in ccc for their first blats over 100 kilometers and they both came away with top 20 finishes which is incredible it's, uh-huh. it's so awesome. And our our mate, Dr. Sir Lord Queen Katie Wright, uh, she was in the TDS, uh, you know, absolute beast of a race, and she ended up having to withdraw after, a, uh, you know, having a bung ankle. Mm. It's just, again. Yeah, yeah, just is, isn't it? I mean, some of those descents, holy moly, it's no wonder you have a bung ankle. But, bung, yeah. <laughs> bung everything. It's yeah, just bung terrible. everything. Um, but, yeah, travel safely team for those of you who are coming back home and for those of you who are carrying on in Europe keep going cut a fewer um, right Zach Friedley so you you caught up with him in episode 202 and he was running the MCC which is the 40 kilometer race yeah and the thing the thing with Zach he's above the knee amputee uh, he runs for on running and I, I'm not sure if he's the first adaptive athlete but certainly you know this Zach's a professional trial runner mm. he's an adaptive athlete and he's really out there advocating for people with you know disabilities to get into this space um, and again you know UTMB being what it was, the mountain being what it was, it wasn't Zach's day, but he was kind enough to send us this clip and give us a recap of his race. So here it is. UTMB MCC 2022 Zach Friedley recap. So the race happened on Monday, August 22nd. It was a really awesome sunny day. And uh, in the area we had experienced some rain for the past several days before the race. So I knew the course was going to be a little bit um, muddy and probably wet and slippery. Um, so the race started and the first mile was uh, up a road um, and I was doing really well on that. And then once we hit the trail, the trail just kept going up and up and up and up and up. And it was grass mixed with being trampled by about 1500 other runners so I, my blade side had a hard time gripping uh, the ground but 
I kind of knew going into it that this section was going to be the most difficult since there was a cutoff time. So the, the actual goal was to keep moving, obviously, as fast as I can. And I did move the entire time. I slipped a couple times and, and uh, fell to one knee, which is no big deal for me. Um, I practice this stuff all the time. And kind of uh, about halfway up that huge-ass climb, uh, the race organizers from UTMB, I would call them probably like a race sweeper, people that sweep the course, started to roll up on me and became kind of concerned. Um, but since they didn't speak any English, I had to um, kind of try to communicate with them that this is just how I run, which I don't think they really understood from the expressions of this guy. He seemed a little like worried about me, which, um, you know, is, this is just how I run. So anyways, we get to the top. It took me like two and a half hours to get about 8.2 kilometers, uh, and about, uh, 3,500 feet of vertical gain. I got there and saw David Kilgore, um, who, told me they're going to keep letting you run how do you feel and at first i was like man i don't know uh my calf really hurts but i definitely want to keep running so i ran to the aid station just to see how my body felt my body felt actually pretty spectacular after that huge climb and i was ready for more for the rest of the day so once we get to the i got to the aid station i was looking for water to refuel my water and to keep moving um, lots of the aid station people started speaking in French and obviously I don't speak French and I had no idea what was going on. And, um, before I knew it, uh, they cut my race bib and said I couldn't continue, which was kind of shocking because it was only 1230 noon. I'd never been removed from a course before. I mean, I know there was a two hour cutoff, but at the same time I was in good spirits. I, I mean, I, that was the toughest section. I really wanted to continue, um, but my day was cut short. So how I feel after the race, I definitely want to like talk to UTMB and um, see if maybe we can make some modifications for adaptive athletes and maybe have some more education to the people that run the event, um, you know, that these people are here and um, we move a little bit differently, but should be given an opportunity to race, especially you know, it's not dangerous for me to continue at noon. You know, I can understand maybe sweeping somebody off the course before it gets dark or something, but I just would have really liked the opportunity to sh to, to keep on going and, and to uh, finish the race. But that's why I'm here, you know, is to um, make these changes. I knew going into it that it was gonna be probably a little bit different. And I was just really open to whatever experience presented itself and that was the experience um, but I, I gotta say I'm really excited for the next year's MCC um, I'm gonna spend some time in Europe and uh, work on some of these mountains and get my climbing down so this is just the beginning and I am definitely really stoked to uh, continue and see how far we can go I also want to shout out to all my fans and friends in New Zealand I'll be there in February racing the Tarawara, and I am excited to be there, meet everyone, 
and to really send it hard on the course and show you all what I can do. I also want to shout out to my on running team who was there supporting me every step of the way. It's the most I've ever felt supported in my entire life. And I'm really excited to be a part of the on trail team and see how far and how great we can build this amazing team. So yeah, I love my on team. I mean, I think it's important what he had to say there that he's out there, um, you know, pushing it and pushing the boundaries and mm. that includes the race organizers who, you know, I don't know, like that decision to pull him from the course. I wonder if some people are really, you know, having some big conversations because, um, you know, it was 12 o'clock, he gets pulled from the course. So what's the safety issue going on there? Mm. So, uh, but his description of going up that first climb, holy moly. So, yeah, um, all power to you, Zach, and yeah. we can't wait to see you down here at Tarawera. Yeah, super stoked for that, and, and, and that's the thing, isn't it? This is this is going to – I think the fact of Zach being out there is going to challenge mm. people. Mm. Um, he talked about the fact that, you know, he's never had any blowback ever. No one's ever kind of gone, oh, well, you know, what are you doing? The standard should be the standard or whatever that is. But um, – you know, it, it, it's it's going to challenge some people, but yeah, yeah. Uh, kaha to you, Zach. Well mm. done, and we can't, like Eugene said, we can't wait to see you down here in February. Right, let's get into it. Greatest, greatest run, run ever. ever. Greatest run ever. Greatest run ever, which is the part of the show where we ask you to write into us and tell us your greatest run ever. It doesn't have to be a race or a mountain summit. It might just be a run around the block, something that's sung to you for some reason. Please send them into us at dirtchurchradio at gmail.com. And this one's from Alistair Kennedy. Here's my story of my greatest run ever. During the first 2020 lockdown, I pretty badly let myself go. Weight jumped up past 110 kilos, and I really didn't do any fitness work at all. He says, I blame the banana bread. Now, that really was a scourge on our nation, wasn't it? Everyone (laughs) just at home, let's make banana bread. Well, it was kind of like sourdough or banana bread, or both. It just makes me feel like reaching. In July, I had my first child, and I knew that I wanted to be as fit as she grows up so I can play with her as much as I can, so I started running. 10K a week was the first goal, then 12, 15, 18, 20. In my first week targeting 23 kilometers, I'd done a four kilometer on the Monday, and then I had a shocker of a week at work, so I didn't achieve much in terms of running until the Saturday. An early alarm was set with the plan to run a 10 kilometer, which he says is my longest run ever, and try run the difference the next day. I set out and was feeling quite good. Three Ks in, and I was a third of the way there. Six Ks, and I was two thirds and still feeling good. I got to 10K and text my wife, asking if our daughter was awake yet to no response, so I figured I'd run until she texts me. After three laps of the new subdivision near my house, all of a sudden, I'm at 16K. I still felt good, and the baby was still sleeping. I'd never run a half marathon before that day, but managed to get home after 21 kilometers, feeling quite shattered, but super stoked with how I'd gone. It was a huge mental block for me to get past the 10k mark, but I'm stoked I did it, and I was stoked to finish my first half, and all before the baby woke up. I'm now 30 kilograms down, and recently ran 30k at the Summerhill Skedaddle. Love the podcast, perfect timing for me to listen while I commute. Alistair, thank you so, so much, and oh man, that's awesome, and what great motivation you've got there. And your daughter. 100%. You know, 100%. Yeah, total I re- respect. 
I, I mean, I still to this day, hey, you just call them um, perfect crime runs. Mm. You get home and the house is still still. And I remember that with having younger kids and you just like kind of creeping in and, oh, please don't let anyone. Or yeah. if a child did wake up, yeah, that was yeah. your day. You know? Hey, and that is, a, that is a great move to texting to see whether the baby's awake because, you know, times when I'd got back from a run, sneak in and everyone's still asleep. And you're like, God, oh, could he been keeping going? <laughs> so that was, yeah, good move there, Elsa. It's a double-edged uh, sword, though. Because if the text, if if the phone bang wakes the baby up, oh, good point, you, you, yeah. good point. But anyway, yeah, thank trouble. you, Alistair. And it, yeah. and this is the thing too. You know, we talk about ultra distances on the show, not mm. exclusively. Um, it doesn't matter if you run one kilometer or a hundred kilometers. You're mm. a runner. Mm. So incredible. That's right. Send them into us, dirtchurchradio at gmail Okay, on with the interview. Chris Lucas. Um, Chris Lucas is a run coach. He talks about the fact that he had this kind of road to Damascus moment where he left a very successful business that he'd started, you know, moved into a house bus and really kind of looked at his life and, and where he was going and the challenges and the joys and triumphs of that decision. Um, he's got an amazing outlook on life. He talks about some of the, you know, the struggles of setting up a, uh, an online coaching business during a pandemic and just a, a fantastic outlook from a guy who's, you know, looks to have a, a really incredible outlook on life and a, uh, who attracts a really eclectic and engaged and, and amazing group of athletes under his kind of under his banner, so please enjoy this conversation with Chris Lucas. Radio. From the People's Republic of Derry Flat, we're joined by Chris Lucas. Chris, kia ora, how are you doing? Kia ora, all good. Nice to see you guys. Nice to see you too. Yeah. So, I mean, we were just chatting about this off mic, and um, you live in a house bus. <laughs> and you're parked up in Derry Flat. Uh, just to start off, what you know, what prompted the move from a traditional dwelling to a mobile one? Oh man, yeah, um, it's it's something different, eh? Like, uh, I guess it's kind of something I've always had. It I always had in the back of my mind, like um, growing up and like as a young younger person and. Yeah, like a, a teen and, and all that kind of stuff. And I always just kind of, I've always been a little bit nomadic um, in that sense, like wanting to move and, yeah, wanting to travel and that. And, um, yeah, it's just something I always had in the back of my mind. And, and I guess, um, yeah, I think for me, like I got to, um, yeah, what was it, sort of 2016, um, 2017, I was uh, just at a, Point in my life at that stage where yeah it was just you had a lot of stress going on and I had a full-on business at that time and and um yeah just had a lot of stress and a lot of life stuff and and um yeah my mum at the time like she was she was getting towards the end of her journey like here on earth and and um yeah she passed away um early 2017 um after having Parkinson's and various things for many years so it was a quite a long journey that one and and um yeah it was kind of after that where like yeah i had a bit of a you know i don't know if it was an early midlife crisis <laughs> or what. <laughs> uh, but uh yeah um 
yeah, it was after that where I was kind of like, man, I, I want to make some changes here. And, and um, yeah, just just kind of like, yeah, reduce my kind of exposure to, um, yeah, to sort of conventional life stresses for a while and, and, um, and, and like, give it a go. Like, it's just in a, in a period where I can kind of, you know, give it a go and and uh it's like why not you know and so kind of like it was quite hard unwinding like from having like house you know and like a business and all this like it took like a couple of years just to unwind it all <laughs> and like transition and and uh yeah um so it's quite a it's quite a big change um so yeah that that's that's how i ended up in here anyway mm. and yeah, so you i mean it. you said you were nomadic did you grow up what part of Aotearoa did you grow up in? Oh, like um, grew up in South Auckland and West Auckland, actually. So fantastic! Yeah, yeah, yeah. So um, yeah, I'm really yeah, really in Aucklander. Like um, yeah, in, in my uh, heart of hearts, and um, yeah, grew up did all my primary schooling and, and that in um, South Auckland, and then we moved out west when I was about twelve. And but yeah, e- even that, like in yeah, in terms of like. Yeah, we, we kind of moved around quite a lot, eh? Like, as, uh, yeah, like the family and that, we moved around quite a bit. And, and um, yeah, it was like the family business and, and like, sort of took us around the place and and um, did quite a bit of travelling. Like, um, yeah, even growing up, like, I'm first generation New Zealand and, you know, parents are from, um, you you know, we hail from UK and stuff originally and that. And, and um, yeah, so we were, like, back and over and, and uh, yeah, always kind of had that, yeah, that uh, seed inside me of um, mm. yeah, liking to move around and explore different cultures and see different places. I guess as well as someone who is also, I mean, I'm a first generation uh, New Zealander. So I, both my parents too from the UK, we immigrated over and it's that sense. And um, I'm glad to see we've both got a, a good Kiwi accent. Um, but it is, you're right, that sense of sort of not having roots is I think it's it's quite pervasive, isn't it? And it's that's it, it's something it's it's an itch right through your life that although you might have an affinity for a place or you know know that you're you know that this is where you want to be or if you have children where they sort of are from, um, it's that dislocation. Hey, it's 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 an odd it's an odd feeling. Yeah, it is. eh? yeah, and like whenever I travel back to UK and stuff like I really I do really connect with the place and the culture and stuff and the like especially like the banter eh? like that you kind of like <laughs> like UK and Irish like I love the banter you know giving it giving each other stick and that you know and, and uh yeah oh Kiwis you know are a bit more chilled out but more reserved so yeah I love the banter like going back over there and, and uh yeah but even like with the like in bus life and stuff today, like me and Charlotte are funny, you know, like we'll, we'll be packed up, you know, like prior to coming back up, back up to here, here to Dairy Flat for like the winter season, we're like, you know, prior to coming up, we're like, oh, we're really looking forward to like getting up to Hibiscus Coast and like connecting with the community there again and our friends and we've got quite a community here. And, and, uh, but then, you know, we get to this time of year uh, and, you know, you start to see a bit of spring and, well, you know, we're getting towards spring anyway. We start to get itchy feet again. I'm like, man, we can't wait to get on the road again. <laughs> yeah, so it's all right there, right? So you talked about how you transitioned into sort of bus life and it took a couple of years. And, and you know, this is a, ostensibly this is a, 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 
a conversation with a runner. You know, you have a run coaching business and, and that's something that is very much a part of your life. Um, were you always involved in the coaching business or, or running or what was your business when you sort of had the accoutrement of a very, you know, I use air quotes, stable, normal life? Oh, yeah, it was a, um, yeah, yeah, it, it wasn't stable, really. <laughs> that was why the it air was, quotes, that was for the yeah, air quotes. Yeah, 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 <laughs> love, love, love that. Um, it was intense for me. Like, I've realized through that whole process as well that I have a lower threshold to kind of stress <laughs> than what, like, other people have, you know, and that's something I've had to kind of ac- accept about myself and um, and that kind of thing. But, um, yeah, the business was like a distribution-type um, business, um, so it was like fast moving consumer goods and, um, yeah, quite intense. Like, so it was a seven day business that operated day and night and, um, yeah, like there was always trucks on the road and, um, it was like a medium sized business. I had, had a dozen, a dozen staff in that. And, um, so I guess in, in that, like there was a lot of, uh, yeah, a lot of, a lot of space for, um, yeah, mentoring and, and, um, yeah, like that leadership kind of stuff and, and just done a bit of like that kind of stuff over the years on and off as well. That, that's, I mean, it's to be have that self-perception um, to know that you don't take stress very well or you handle it differently to other people, which is what it is, isn't it? Uh, you know, it's, it's quite a thing, like in this world, in this world that we are now, here I am getting all philosophical, it's kind of all about go, 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 you know, and if you don't, it's like, what are you doing? You know, um, and it's takes quite a lot to put your hand up and go, actually, no, nah, it's not my jam. I'm not really into that. Um, and I, I'm not to the same extent, but I went through a similar thing in my, in my career where I sort of stepped off, you know, sort of like bang, 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 bang. And it's like, actually, no, I, I can't, I can't do that. Um, I'm not very good at that. <laughs> I'm not very good at my, at looking after myself when I'm in that phase. Yeah. You know? But it's 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 quite a thing, isn't it? And you know, you've you know, hats off to you to for, for doing that and making Yeah, thanks, yeah. No, I'm glad, yeah. I just I was kind of on that trajectory, eh, of like, you know, the next thing, the next thing and, and um yeah, like was successful in, in that field and, and um like won awards like at a national level and you know, all that kind of like stuff and I like really chasing that it was kind mm. of like it's kind of like in my early to mid thirties, yeah. and like really just kind of like chasing that, like you know, I've got to, I'm gonna do life here, man, you know, <laughs> and, yeah. uh, gotta do it, and um, because that's what other people are doing, you know, and um, yeah, and then yeah, and just yeah, it's just like speed wobbles big time, you know, and and um, yeah, you just start yeah. to question some stuff, and and um, yeah. you know, life's yeah, life's short, eh? Like yeah, it it, it really. Yeah, it really sort of flies by, and and um and so that was the yeah, combination of all that stuff, and and uh, yeah, just um yeah wanting yeah and accepting like things about myself, my you know what what my limitations are, and and um yeah, I guess it's all like mm. that fusion that's kind of led you know led us to this kind of mm. yeah way of life, and um yeah just yeah living a bit more um purposefully and that kind of stuff. I think it's that sense, isn't it, that you talk about a, a trajectory and it's the itch you can never scratch though, isn't it? Because how much is like in that sense, in that paradigm, right? So cool. You've got 12 employees, good story. Um, Bert's got 24 employees and then you get to 24 employees and you've got a nice house and then, but cool, you need a beach house. And if you've got a beach house, 
Do you know what goes good with a beach house? Um, jet skis. You know that sense of nev- the, the 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 ineffable kind of itch you can never scratch, and that leads to some pretty negative outcomes for people. I think, eh? especially in that realm, and I think about the mental health space of identifying and acknowledging vulnerabilities to certain stresses. Yeah, and we see it a lot, like in this sort of yeah, I don't know this world or whatever <laughs> the setup, and. Um, yeah, it, it does lead to yeah a lot of anxiety and and um, depression and stuff like that. And I've yeah I've, I've um, experienced yeah a lot of that myself. Like in, you know in, in that sort of space. And yeah, I can remember like you know you mentioned like the jet ski, the car, you know that kind of thing. And I just remember um you know there was a there was a period there where we got this new this new wagon, you know. And um, I'm like, oh yeah, this is great. I've got a got a new wagon now, you know. And uh, and then like a few weeks later, like um, you know the shine, you know I just remember the shine like is worn off it, like mm. within a few weeks, and you realise that actually this thing, this like thing <laughs> that I've kind of chased is not is not um, yeah fulfilling you know fulfilling me in any way, and, and um, yeah the shine had definitely worn off it, and that was like yeah that, like things like that where I started to question like yeah what what I'm doing and and uh, all that kind of stuff. Mm. And I mean, it's something that you've alluded, you've alluded to it, but you've stated it like on your social media that, you know, you have had challenges throughout your life um, with substances and with, you know, uh, alcohol and I'll say alcohol and other, perhaps other Mm. substances, other drugs, alcohol is a drug. Um, And you've been sober for 15 years now, which is an incredible achievement. I mean, was that, was, do you think that that, you know, uh, self-medication or was that tied in with that sort of go, go, go lifestyle or was it sort of self-medicating that vulnerability to stress? Um, yeah, I mean, definitely, um, yeah, definitely there's like this sort of like drive <laughs> inside you <laughs> as a, as a um, yeah, person in sobriety who's like a, you know, an addict, an alcoholic or an ex-addict, alcoholic, however you want to like um, mm. frame it, like, yeah, Definitely, um, yeah, definitely there's, uh, yeah, this sort of thing within you where you can, like, you know, really, like, you know, you're kind of a bit too driven, in a sense, <laughs> sometimes, <laughs> to your own detriment, you know, and uh, a little bit one-tracked, mind, like, you can get a bit single-tracked minded and stuff. Um, it's sort of one of the, sort of a bit of an addict sort of trait, um, really. Uh, for me anyway, like, um, yeah, things I have to be kind of wary of, like even today, like, you know, that I just don't get like too fixated on like this one thing, a single track um, mind, you know, and um, yeah, and uh, just to remember that there's like other things, like there's, you know, a variety of things is nice, like <laughs> to do in your life on a daily basis and and uh, like to fulfill you and stuff and um, not to be fixated on one thing and get quite like trapping. Mm. It's it's that notion, isn't it? That, and it's said so much that people who en- enjoy or enjoy, I don't know if people enjoy endurance sports or are driven to do them, it's that obsessional component and that rigidity and you often see a, a, there can be a confluence hey, of, of issues with any sort of running too much or relational issues or, you know, um, alcohol and other drug issues that it's a it's a personality type isn't it that's sort of quite well known amongst you know there's a big venn diagram there sometimes yeah yeah 
and like it's 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 a it's it's awesome like in the the trail ultra running space you know we we um yeah we're, we're a quirky bunch you know <laughs> and I, I come across you know i come across uh, yeah a lot of uh folks out there on the trails and um you, you know you end up in those like awesome conversations where you like mm. share some life stories and yeah a lot a lot of us like in the in the sort of trail running and um ultra running space uh you know have come from adversity and whether it's like through addiction or just other like life events or yeah burnout and it just yeah different different circumstances from different people but um yeah what well, let's talk about some running have you have you always been a runner yeah it's it's a yeah i, I kind of have eh? like <laughs> yeah like probably without knowing it too at, at uh at some periods um but yeah just like growing up just kind of did it um uh like cross country school um yeah not like training or anything like that but just having fun and, and um and, and doing it and and then when i was a teen um yeah same thing again i actually um like i grew up in the family business which was um, a milk run like so back in the like 80s and oh, 90s you know it was a dad's um, thing and um so man like i just spent my like teenage years literally off the back of the milk truck and um like you know it's like four hour runs <laughs> like, like uh after school and all that kind of stuff so you, yeah just uh i think that's where my sort of aerobic engine was originally built in that um and then it ended up doing a lot of like um yeah and that transitioned into a lot of like truck driving stuff in my 20s like same thing again where i was out of my feet all day and like lifting tons of stuff and just out on your feet for 10 hours and yeah so a lot of that kind of like you don't know the ultra legs i guess were, were kind of like um yeah built like uh through all of that yeah um but yeah all through that like you know a lot of hiking and stuff like in my um teens and and um yeah that kind of thing but not not really specifically training like at that time um because obviously yeah with my like story around addiction and stuff it all kind of like started kicking off like pretty big like round 15 and uh yeah so there wasn't much <laughs> there wasn't much like thing but having said that i'd still like show up to school cross country and like you mm. know, give it a good uh, dig and all that yeah. i think we spoke to um uh, andrew hayden uh, a couple of weeks ago, and he was talking about the fact that that sort of movement. And I think, and it's very age. It dates us, doesn't it? That age specific. Like there, there'll be a certain uh, amount of people listening to this podcast going, "What's a milk run?" You know, they see oh, yeah. the milk the milk truck pull up to the the shop and unload the milk up. But you know, in our lifetime, milk was delivered to people's homes, and so you were getting out and you were picking up empties and delivering full milk bottles. And so you're not only getting that sort of aerobic thing you you know it's strength training on the go as well and it's that sort of it's that movement of utility isn't it yeah yeah definitely yeah no yeah for sure and a lot of the stop start too like you know and then you'd be having fun and you know you'd be running up driveways and hills and and uh yeah just that variation you know variation is like great like for training eh? you know so just whatever yeah the most famous uh running coach probably in the world milk uh had a milk run, didn't oh. he? Oh, oh, true. Really? I didn't know that. He was there you go. Run. Yeah, that's what it is. Yeah, yeah. So, so he had his milk run out west, and um, so he'd be doing the milk run, and then when he started to kind of come up with his theories, he'd be working the milk truck or 
you know, all hours of the day or whatever. And then he'd be out training. Um, so that's that's how he built his, yeah. you know, ideas and endurance and all that sort of stuff. So you, you come from a, a very fine line. <laughs> yeah, yeah, that's the milk run. That's what it is. <laughs> we need to, we need to bring them back, you know, so, like, we can just, yeah, like, train. Absolutely. Training absolutely. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. Yeah. <laughs> right, yeah. Imagine that, putting that in your, in your, um, <laughs> in your team's uh, coaching programs. Right, yeah, guys. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> Milk run. You got to run around your neighborhood, yep, dropping yep. off bottles, picking up, picking up. Yeah, we'll, we'll drive the truck yep. down the road. Why not? That's the way to go. Yeah, that's right. That's well, right. Yeah. And mm. orange juice as well. Yeah. Remember the old orange juice? Yeah. Mm. Yeah. 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 And I had yeah. a few big tumbles so off the trucks as well. You know, you fall off. Yeah. A yeah. bit. None with cars? Um, no, no. Lucky enough. Yep. No, I avoided cars. Had a very bad That's skateboarding good. accident That's once, good. though, like because I used to do skate skating Oof. and that, and uh, pulled the old yeah. skateboard out on a big hill in uh, Mount Roscoe and down and uh, came off and yeah, just absolutely nailed myself. There. Yeah. Oof. Mm. Some steep yes. hills out there. It was a steep Mount hill. Mount <laughs> mm. mm. So, how did the coaching come about? How did you decide to move into? into coaching um yeah just uh it's kind of almost by accident really like it um me and charlotte kind of got together um yeah 2019 and and um she's a personal trainer uh, right and um like comes from a massive like strength background and like real decent runner herself um so yeah and it at that time i was like training for tarawera Myla for 2020 and and we started to just like and obviously, like with bus life being mobile and um, that, we just started to like talk about, um, you know, what's something we can do that's not location dependent um, as such. Mm. Um, and that kind of like ticks the box uh, or fulfills us like in terms of um, like our lifestyle and um, and that. And so we came up with this, like we started so early 2020, like right around like the first lockdown, we started um, – we sort of came up with this like personal training, this online personal training um, business, and like um, yeah, our focus it was it was uh, geared towards ladies actually. Um, so Charlotte was like the front end, <laughs> and uh, this is what we we're going to do is like a membership kind of um, you know uh, thing, yeah. and like like low cost, like that sort of ten dollar a week kind of like price point, and um, yeah, I was like I was quite naive, like you know, because I was like coming from another like business i'm like oh yeah man like we just set this up like put a put a cool website together and um then run some ads and then like customers will just sign up man like and then yeah we'll just do that and help people like help ladies with their like personal training and like so we did all of this stuff and like set all this stuff up and it just like flopped (laughs) (laughs) it was just this like thing and uh yeah it was um yeah quite a learning experience actually and um yeah it was it was quite an experience uh yeah um and then so we just kind of like was kind of like back to the drawing board and like muddling along and then we had like lockdown all that the first lockdown and all that stuff happening at the same time and um Mm. yeah i guess like through all of that period or you know later on in 2020 we just we started to get asked by some of our networks, you know, in the running community. It's like, oh, can you do me a plan? Like, 
you know, hey, Chris, can you do your plan? And, and I'd done a bit of work with a coaching friend of mine, um, Will O'Connor in, in Rotorua, um, like prior to that as well, um, like with him. And mm-hmm. um, yeah, he's still my, he's my coaching mentor like today. And um, so we'd, we'd done a bit. Um, so I kind of like was was able to like you know help help these uh, folks um, with their plans, and then we just started getting like results, um, like with the folks we're helping, and it's just yeah from there basically the rest is the rest is kind of history. We you know we just kind of transitioned away from like that sort of like personal training focused, and mm. um, yeah, I guess in the last sort of eighteen months, like really just yeah run coaching like focus, yeah yeah. But but you still I mean you still have an emphasis on on sort of strength and mobility stuff as well don't you that's sort of part of yeah you know what yeah what that's bring, right eh? um it? so it's pretty cool like um so I, I really focus on the um sort of specialist sort of run coaching um side and and, and um yeah working with athletes and um charlotte being a personal trainer and um yeah big on the runner's strength side um we're able to like f- sort of fuse it all together you know and um yeah so that's working really well and um yeah like every every runner every athlete has like their own sort of training mix and training balance that like yeah really works for them like gives them the most um like stimulus so i think yeah it's really nice like being able to combine like um you know all that all that aspect and and finding um yeah what specific things works for an individual the best like to give them the best outcome and yeah we so we end up with Mm. quite a quite a few individuals that are um yeah that might have been struggling with like ongoing injury or niggles or um yeah that kind of stuff and we're able to like help um sort of like yeah sort of build that running chain up um through that strength and mobility work and and um yeah just get adequate like loading with their running and stuff like that yeah yeah so the the rehab and and pre yeah stuff. yeah so we're having quite yeah getting mm. quite a few like like that that's working quite well yeah the the first time i i, I met you was was uh, running with one of your clients harry when he was doing his seven and seven um which was amazing um but and there were lots of your athletes or runners came along and and, and one thing that really struck me among the, the sense that i got from from you and and Charlotte and, and those runners that, that came along was a real sense of kind of community and and being there for each other and 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 you know everyone having a shot. Um, it, there was didn't seem to be kind of any kind of ego about it. Um, how how do you how do you infuse that or is that is that the sort of people you attract or is that something that a philosophy that you try to to spread out? I, yeah, I don't know. I I think. Yeah, we, we me and Charlotte talk about this. <laughs> we, we do seem to attract a particular type, and I think that's just that's yeah. just coaching, right? And um, like I think every mm. coach um, attracts their own like type of runner, type of athlete, you know. And I think that's great. Like so, yeah. Like I um, yeah, I don't view other coaches or other coaching businesses as like competitors or anything like that because at the end of the day, we're just going to attract our own like uh, type of type of mm. individual you know and i think that's great and um so yeah me and charlotte like yeah talk talk about um that and yeah we we, we seem to get quite a few young guys and and uh yeah that that kind of stuff and but a big range as well mm, big big range yeah. of like um individuals eh? a lot of ladies as well like yeah, in their 40s and yeah. 50s a lot of ladies as well like competitive yeah. yeah. uh, athlete and people from people from all, all walks of life is, is there something that you try and instill 
and everyone like what you know that's the cliched question what's your philosophy but but you know is there is there something sort of something central to what you guys bring um i don't know i i um i just yeah not 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 quite a hundred percent sure i guess it's a bit of a weak question uh, yeah so. you're good <laughs> no i'm not uh, yeah i'm not quite sure do you think it has yeah. to do with the fact that you're in recovery and I, I, not to belabor the point, but one of the things that stands out like, you know, the dog's proverbials is people's egos in this space. And, you know, we all know that, what's the quote? Your ego ain't your amigo, right? And mm -hmm. um, having been challenged so much in terms of, you know, delaying ego or acknowledging ego, acknowledging delayed gratification, do you think that that links in? Because it does strike me as, as that, you know, we, we need an ego because we wouldn't exist without an ego, but you seem like you're quite comfortable in that sort of in your own skin. Yeah, maybe it's a good ex. <laughs> no. <laughs> no, I'm just kidding. Uh, try to be anyway. But um, no, I think definitely, yeah, definitely. And that's uh, the recovery aspect um, does attract like um, – um, individuals and that's kind of one of the reasons why I'm quite open like sharing like that kind of stuff and and um, yeah because I think it just yeah helps helps people um, realize and realize that um, yeah we've all kind of got stuff you know we've all kind of got stuff and it, and it just sort of brings a level of mm. acceptance like um, with themselves and yeah I guess yeah one one thing I do like to like or that we like to sort of like help our crew with is is um yeah just kind of accepting like you know accepting where 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 they're at at, at like any one time and and um yeah just just being in the moment and like you know bringing in, in some of that mindful stuff mindfulness sort of stuff as well and and um yeah like not getting fixated on outcomes mm. like yeah getting fixated on like running goal outcomes or race outcomes can really like cause a lot of issues and and um or if we put all our if you know if we're putting all our eggs in the running basket mm. as the solution to our life like it's you know to like you know this is my like uh this is my time or my escape time or, mm. or, or like my time out like if we if that's the only thing and then we get injured or something <laughs> then, yeah. then it's, it's quite dodgy ground um so yeah really like mm. to yeah sort of help um bring in um, these other aspects and like yeah encouraging our athletes like if they're not running um then like let's go and help out at this event eh, or something like that like and be a contributor um yeah and that and that kind of stuff it's the thing isn't it it can be as unhelpful a coping mechanism as anything else running you know i i've got a long-standing and very open thing I, I i'll pretty much i'll go out run out on the road and fight anyone who's got a poster that says running is cheaper than therapy yep it's therapeutic for sure, like absolutely physiologically, all that stuff. But it's not an, it's it's not a panacea, is it? Yeah, it's not the one thing. No. Yeah, um, and I, yeah, I've seen I've seen like I've worked with like um, clients and stuff that it like it is that thing for them. Like training is that that one thing, and then um, yeah, seeing them get injured and then get into a lot of bother, like mm. mentally and, and get into a pretty dark space mm. and, and um, that kind of stuff. So yeah, definitely. And for me, like as a person in recovery, um, yeah, not you know, I don't pin my whole like wellness and mental wellness and um, grounding on like only running. You know, there's like a, a bunch of other stuff that like sort of makes that picture up. 
Yeah, and and I mean, you mentioned getting along to events and, and volunteering at events. There's other ways that you can have those connections because for a lot of us runners, you know, it's part of our social life as well is getting out and going for a run with our mates. Um, and if we can't do that, then we're kind of missing out on that. But but yeah, encouraging people to do other things is a great way to kind of counterbalance. Yeah, that. and like you know, like going to events and helping out, like that's kind of like serving others in a way, and it really can. Help, help. Mm. You know, if we're in a bit of a funk, you know, we can mm. sort of help us yeah. get outside of yeah. ourselves and and um and that kind of stuff, like helping other people out or helping out an event. You know, and really help with all that sort yeah. of stuff. Yeah, and we're still connected. Mm. Like we're still connected to that community and not isolated, and and uh, still connected to our mates, even though we might be not running at the time. Mm. Yeah, yeah. You've also shared that you you've got some health issues at the moment, which haven't been exactly helpful in terms of your own running. Yeah, yeah. So I guess. Um, yeah, it's been a bit of a journey, like a, um, and it kind of is connected to that sort of stress sort of threshold that we were talking about earlier and, and that. Mm. And, and so, yeah, around that time, I was talking about that 2016, 17, when I had all that stuff going on, I had, yeah, sort of a big autoimmune flare up then. And, and, um, and, uh, yeah, it's basically all kind of like autoimmune related, really. And it sort of, yeah, it comes out and with like, you know, major skin problems and digestive problems and sort of fatigue issues and and like depression, like the mental side of it as well, like that kind of goes with that fatigue and and um, so I kind of that that was all part of the picture that that led to my change, like um, you know, back then and and um, but yeah, same thing again. Late last year, had another flare up. Um, yeah, I I found the the la- that lockdown <laughs> that lockdown. We were in Auckland. Uh, mm. Yeah, late last year. And, uh, yeah, found that hard. And just in terms of our work and, like, there was no events on and, like, everything just, like, mm, grinded yeah. to a halt. And I know this is the same for everyone. Like, everyone went through the same thing, eh? But, yeah, just and, – and my brother, I've got a brother who's got a, a terminal stage 4 cancer, my older brother. Oh. And so just, like, all this uh, – and, and um, yeah, same thing, like, a, a flare-up and, and – um, and uh, so, yeah, running then sort of becomes like a bit of a stress on the body for me when I'm in that space, um, like in that flared up um, yeah. space. And um, so, yeah, this year has just been really about like keeping things simple. And I had had it like prior to that, I had had a few years big running, like doing different stuff. And so yeah. I guess yeah, a combination of all that stuff sort of catches up mm. on you and and uh, chucking some life stuff on top. And, and um, so, yeah, just taking it easier this year. Um Focusing on like just getting healthy, um, yeah, being healthy, content, and um, yeah, just eating well, looking after myself, and yeah, all, all that kind of stuff. And it's all coming good. Like I'm, I'm starting to come good again. Like, um, like recently, and um, yeah, it's been a it's been a slow road back, eh? But um, yeah, starting to come come back again, and, and doing sort of a few runs a week, and um, getting in the gym like quite a bit for two or three sessions a week, and. It's been kind of good. Like I had like um, a few like long-term kind of niggles, you know, like <laughs> that were like there under the surface for a few years. And, and so it's just, yeah. it's been a good opportunity just to like do all that stuff as well, take stock and rehab some stuff of my own. Mm. And, and um, yeah, just focus on different things and yeah, and contribute more as well. It's interesting, isn't it? It's the, yeah. I mean, we, last, as we were recording this last week was the one year anniversary of when we went into the Delta lockdown. And I think it's, I think it will, you know, I think that's significant, the fact that it will reveal itself as being one of the more stressful periods 
of our generation and and I think about like our kids mm. uh you know their lives as well we've we've been lucky that we've had you know decades without this with without this happening and um and I think you know I really feel for you guys in the space of the entrepreneurial space definitely because you could say yeah everyone was doing it hard but I had a paycheck coming in every week you know I knew I was really fortunate in that sense that I knew that no matter what was happening I was going to get paid and it must have been incredibly stressful in that space as an entrepreneur a fitness entrepreneur based around as much as it's process goal outcomes for people doing races that must have been so stressful yeah yeah it was and I think for us personally as well like being still early in that journey Mm -hmm. um uh of like you know developing like you know at the time like you know who we are like not quite sure who our clients are exactly you know and all that stuff like the back end like business kind of stuff um everything kind of grinds to a hole and you're like is this us like is this us or is it the lockdown <laughs> you know we start you start mm -hmm. like and then so yeah it was like kind of this thing of like being careful not to like change too much like for the sake of changing stuff and and all that because it could have just been unlocked. So we're kind of just stuck in this like thing of like just having to wait it out, <laughs> and then like the financial like mm. like stress like that goes with that. And and um, you know, I did notice a difference like with like friends and stuff that were able to go back to work after that initial few weeks. Like we had that initial sort of three to four weeks where it was like lockdown, lockdown, <laughs> and uh, and then like people started going back to work, and I was like, man, I wish I could like go back to work <laughs> mm. it was kind of like quite quite good for them like being mm. able to go back um, but it was like a long it was a long slog for us like mm. and and anyone else yeah. like in that events like yeah, mm. the event space and other coaches other coaching businesses like yeah definitely uh anyone like uh retail um yeah, like the guys in the retail space with shoes and like yeah still yeah and for some of those like um yeah, thinking about the guys with like the the, the shoe stores and, and that kind of stuff. That'll that'll take like that's not over for them. Like no, it'll take like, a couple of years to no. like trade out of like that. You know, it'll take yeah. good it'll take two or three Absolutely. years to like trade out of that hard period. Yeah, mm. yeah. It's gonna what do you think were some of the lessons that you learnt? And I guess because I guess our successes are built on our. Uh, mist well, not mistakes, but the challenges that we've had, right? What were some of the lessons that you learned when you, you know, you and Charlotte, you cracked on with this, um, like you said, that kind of female-focused, like, fitness venture, and it just tanked. What were some of the things that you took from that and went, well, how can we actually contribute successfully to our next venture? Um, yeah, I think... Yeah, I think definitely like growing locally first, like because essentially we're an online, like essentially we're online, right? Like we can we can coach any, like we've got um, a couple of athletes overseas, and like we can coach anyone anywhere in the country, um, like you know with te this wonderful technology that we have um, today. So we're essentially um, an online business. But um, what's worked really well for us is um, yeah, growing locally and like yeah, have to have to grow. Uh, like, and so that was the big thing like with the when we were trying the personal training thing it just like flopped it's kind of like it's like doing this thing nobody knows who we are <laughs> yeah so it was just like, it was quite a hard thing i just was like thinking we'll just put this thing out there run these ads and it'll be you know oh where we go but um but yeah it's it's the good old it's actually even with online like um it's yeah the biggest thing that 
um, was the big learning for us is like, yeah, it's still the good old fashioned kind of business stuff that applies mm. of like networking with like um, people, with communities, getting in front of people, um, building relationships with partners like in, in the industry and um, yeah, building community like at different like local levels. And yeah, that was, that was the biggest like, thing that came out of that for us. Mm. Hey, we've talked about the bus a little bit, but we haven't really talked about the, the cool adventures you guys get up to. I, I mean, just looks like you have a lot of fun when you're out there on the road. Yeah, it is fun, eh? Yeah. No, we do we do love it. Um we have we have got a like a base in Rotorua. We've got a couple of acres um in between Rotorua and Taupo. Um in Waikiki mm-hmm. Valley. Um and uh so I think long term we like nice. do plan on like having a bit of a base, but we're definitely not in any hurry because um, then we're like, oh yeah, it'd be cool to like have this land. And then we we've kind of like this is something that's happened kind of recently, and now now we've like kind of got it. We're like, oh, we don't want to do anything too quickly to it because then we've got to like maintain it and stuff mm. and be there. <laughs> and yeah. so we're not quite ready to um, like yeah like yeah we, we slow down or you know root down too much because um, we do like yeah we love like in summer like getting on getting on the road and traveling and um yeah getting to events and stuff like that like yeah we do we do love the adventures because yeah. you got down to to northburn earlier in the year didn't you and that looked fun like you had some good trips you know off the side of that and then at the event itself as well it looked, it looked a lot of fun yeah it was super cool yeah no we definitely enjoy it and um yeah like, like love getting to events um like in the bus like uh like Taupo for example is a great one Taupo Ultra like being able to park up mm. at the finish line there and mm. and uh like Blue Lake in September will be down will be down there at Blue Lake and can park right up there and and uh yeah it's just it's just cool like you can you never forget your gear like for an event too <laughs> you just always got your you know you never like oh damn I forgot my bottle you know you never do that because you've just always got everything with you, you know? mm. it must be it. nice too having that sense of home comfort like there'd be challenges and payoffs and trade-offs living in a, in a, a space like a, a bus but then being able to get into the your own space after a race and no matter where you are and you've got kind of your stuff and your bed and everything like that must be super nice yeah yeah it is cool eh? it is cool and i think one of the other things as well um like we kind of like to do a mixture of like each year, a mixture of like going to new places, exploring new places, but going back to places that we um, like have like good good connections in. You know, like Hibiscus Coast, like here and um, down Rotorua, we've got a lot of connections, and so we do. Yeah, there's like, yeah, like that familiar familiarity, like sort of thing of um, yeah, is, is really like yeah a valuable thing, like part of like that, that bus life and. You know, being able to like reconnect with friends, and and um, that's a big part of it too. Mm. We, um, uh, Suzanne's family, uh, my wife's family, her aunt and uncle, uh, spend a lot of time in the, in, a, in a house bus traveling around or motorhome, whatever you call it. They spend a lot of time on the road, and they, Auntie Una would go and walking events. So I remember once connected up with them uh, at one of the, what was the the waterfront half marathon that used to, it doesn't happen anymore i think it was called the hyatt mm-hmm. half and it was a handicap race um but they managed to get their bus parked like right by the finish line <laughs> somehow and um they were an older couple in their, in their late 70s so no one was going to tell them to move on and um 
after the race, it was great. Just went in and had a cup of tea with Uncle Graham and Auntie Ina, and we were close enough for the prize giving. So we just opened the door for the prize giving, head out the window, and I managed to win a, a prize. So I came running out of the bathroom and grabbed my prize. It was it was it was wonderful. I think I even carried my cup of tea. Down. <laughs> nice. <laughs> yeah, it's a pretty good way yeah, of it's life. Cool, isn't yeah, it? yeah. But I remember when we were parked up at Blue Lake yeah. a couple of years ago, like right by the PA system. It was, it was terrible. Like mm. I did 100K. I did the 100K <laughs> like there. And I, we didn't obviously plan like what it would be like on the Saturday night mm. after the 100, you know. And it was just like torture. <laughs> All night. The, uh, like, we're literally right by the PA system. And so just, you know, yeah. so exhausted from the run. I don't sleep, but in the PA, you know, hearing Chris Townley like on the PA all night, keeping me awake. Like, oh. <laughs> Lean out the window, yeah, Chris, shut up! The smoke, the smoke from the fire coming in the, in the yeah. house, and oh, man, it's just crazy. We didn't plan that one. We're trying to sleep <laughs> yeah. here. Yeah, I have to ask for like one a park up like further away this year, you know, if we can. I'm really, yeah. I am really looking yeah. forward to being at the Blue Lake, and I'm. We're actually taking a motorhome down. So, you know, it'll be myself, my wife and our older daughter um, doing various events there. And I'm excited about it. Like, I, I think it, you know, it's it's a completely different experience. Uh, it'll be a first time sort of going somewhere in a motorhome and competing. We've certainly, we've done it at Relapse, you know, uh, the last person standing event that we, we helped to set up. You know, we've taken a motorhome there and kind of parked up. Um, tips? Any tips for first-time kind of mobile competitors? <laughs> um, not really. Don't park within <laughs> hearing vo- of Chris Townsley because he's going to wake you up with something odd at three in the morning. But, um, yeah, yeah. In terms of... In terms we could of, pack together. <laughs> yeah, we could. We could put a tarp up. In terms of gear management or, you know, like the things to think about when you've just, say, finished a 100K run and then you've got to get back in the bus. Um, no, I don't know. Yeah. Um, I, I had, um, yeah, I guess it depends. I guess you don't want to be parked too far away from the course itself, I guess, because, you, know, you know, if you're parked in the corner and then that's got a bit of a detour, like if you want to self-crewing, mm. a bit of a detour, you know, mm. uh, you're going to add like quite a, uh, quite a bit of distance on there. But that was the advantage of having the bus yeah. parked up like right on the thing. It's like, like was self-crewing like out of the bus. Right, <laughs> strategic, yeah. So it was beautiful. Yeah. I had all my like drink bottle and everything just set up in the doorway and my nutrition or whatever. And every every couple of laps, yeah. you know, coming for the refill. So I planned that part well, you know. Yeah. <laughs> Didn't plan the sleep part. Frying up some dinner. Maybe some yeah. like good earmuffs, uh, Matt. You know, like oh, some good like ear. Uh, so keep the sound out. You know? Yeah, protection. That's good. E Pro. Cool. Yeah. Um. Um. Having having something to hold on to to that's get right. up the steps as well. <laughs> later yeah. on, you know, so pull pull yourself up. You know, want to just be. Mm. Getting getting up those steps can be quite hard sometimes, even though it's only because they can be quite high. Oh, steep, yeah, definitely. I and, think, and after all the stairs and the Blue Lake course as well, that's what people don't realise about the Blue yeah. Lake first time is the Blue Lake course. It's like it looks kind of easy, like when you look at it on paper, but there's like two flights of stairs. The stairs are quite deceiving. Mm. Like stairs get you, stairs get you, one way that like mm. a, you know an uphill. <laughs> definitely, mm. cognitively as well. Like, I, they mess with my head when I get tired. Like, I kind of doubt myself going yeah, up them. Yeah. 
as well as you know as well as the sort of physical but just the like i get kind of i start second guessing myself oh uh, yeah oh it's a hard case and then they start blurring as well you know you get exhausted you exactly. the staircase exactly. just gets longer and longer doesn't it you know <laughs> it does they extend it yeah. as it goes on yeah yeah and that's what i love about the blue lake event eh, itself like it's just you know yeah i quite i, I do quite like the loop to like kind of events because yeah you know, everyone's together and you're there and and uh, everyone's kind of doing mm. like different um like has their own things and but that's yeah i love that about the blue lake because you can just anyone can just sort of show up any time of the day do a couple of laps chill out go away come back like all that kind of stuff and it's a really good place to like if mm. you want to go and crush some goals like you can do mm. it there you know as well like so it's, it's really yeah yeah it's got a bit of everything mm. Mm. what other events might people expect to see your bus this year or next year um that's it that's as far as the plan goes this year um yeah that is that is as far as the plan goes this year i'm sure we'll be down in rotorua for tarawera though um it's like a regular mm. um regular thing for us but yeah that, mm. that's about mm. as far mm. as the plan goes so far this year you haven't, <laughs> we haven't uh, mm. planned too far ahead um thus far yeah that's been the way though hasn't it it's sort of it's um I don't know. I feel like I've got out of the habit of planning much at the moment. You know, I think the last couple of years have done that. Definitely, definitely, yeah. And we're we're starting to like dream a little bit about going overseas, mm. like as well. Like, mm. yeah, you know, seeing with um, UTMB coming up, like in the next week or two, isn't it? Like, yeah, just yeah, yeah, just seeing like. Um, so there's quite a few like um, Kiwis going over there and just seeing their like photos on social media and it's like oh man that looks so cool and mm -hmm. me and Charlotte have been like man yeah. wouldn't that be cool to like go over there and and go back to the yeah. UK as well and, and see like um, yeah see connections over there but, but then like yeah let's go to Chamonix <laughs> drive, drive the house past the Chamonix <laughs> yeah. Yeah. there you go <laughs> yeah so that's our little like that's kind of like our little little pipe dream at the moment like yeah mate you know, maybe yeah. we can get over there next mm. year, but we'll just have to see how things go. Yeah. Brilliant. Well, look, Chris, you've been so generous with your time and also generous with yourself, you know, uh, in this conversation. It's been wonderful. And yeah. we'd like to ask you, you know, the same question to finish up that we ask everyone on Dirt Church Radio, and that's Chris Lucas, what's been your greatest run ever? Cool. <laughs> um, yeah, it's something I gave a bit of thought to actually, knowing that like this question um, gets asked. And um, yeah, for me, it was my 2020 Tarawera 100 miler, actually. That was a race. Um, uh, because I kind of, it's, the, it's been the one and only like 100 miler like I've done so far. And um, I, I kind of um, trained for it. I think it was just. It wasn't just the the race or the run itself. It was the it was the training and the months leading up to it. And there was like this crew of us in Rotorua, um, like all training together um, as well for it. And um, we're all like around that same kind of like few hours. There was like, there was a cluster of us that like um, yeah we all finished like in that sort of twenty one to twenty five hour kind of bracket. And so it was just so cool like that process of all training together and. And I kind of like went into it, like not really knowing, like, like I was well prepared, like super well prepared and super fit and conditioned and, and that, um, and had just the right, the, the day itself, um, just had a brilliant day and, uh, the whole, the whole time. And, and, um, 
yeah, like I did under 24 hours, which was a, a goal of mine, and, and um, yeah, finished 19th mile, which is like, yeah, for me, like, that's like, I'm not a like top, you know, for me, like the running, the runner that I am, like, oh, I was just super like stoked with that. But it, I didn't realize like how good the cool thing about this run was, I didn't realize how good it was until like a year later. <laughs> Mm-hmm. Yeah, it was just kind of like I don't know. You know that thing like when you're so focused on like something and like doing something like leading up to it, and then you actually do it. I was kind of you know afterwards I'm like okay, cool, that's done now. And it wasn't until like the following year at the race again where I was like there supporting uh, my fr- a friend of mine, Rich, um, who did it. I, I didn't like, yeah. It wasn't until like a year later I was like, man, that was like that was such a special like time and such a special race and. Yeah, training with my like training with my mates and that crew we had, and just how the day unfolded, and yeah, it was just such a yeah, that's that's my greatest run ever at the moment. Yeah, that's right. <laughs> it's that th- it's that thing, isn't it? It's the gift, an experience like that is the gift. It it truly is the gift that keeps on giving, and it reveals itself to you in different ways. Look, Chris, where can we find you online, man? If people were like inspired by this or keen to, you know, ex- you know that think about you guys as coaches or have a look where where can we find you yeah sweet pretty easy to find um we're on youtube instagram facebook um basically um for coaching at custom made fitness and for myself at nz nomad runner nice and for charlotte at trail girl charlotte pretty pretty easy to find fantastic and we'll put those links in the in the show notes in case you're out for a run and you haven't you're going worried about remembering this. Don't worry, we'll put them in the show notes. You can look them up later. Brilliant. Thank you so so much. And uh, see yeah, you on thank the road. you to you guys too. And been great talking to you. And, and really love what you guys do. Fantastic. Let's see you blue lake. Yeah. Awesome. moral of the story there kids get yourself a milk run yeah milk it's i mean it's 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 generation x crossfit isn't it really (laughs) (laughs) i always remember jerry collins the you know a dearly departed jerry collins um talking about how being it's it's not a milk run but being on the rubbish trucks oh of course yeah was you know the ultimate ultimate workout so pre-training post-training yeah we're about to move yeah, thank you, Chris. And again, can't wait to catch up with you at 24 Hours of Blue Lake. And actually, I'll just put a little late plug here, uh, Halitar Riverhead Rampage, which is mm. on the 17th of September. Chris will be there as well. So if you want to go to the Halitar Riverhead Rampage, www.riverheadrampage.co.nz, get amongst it. Thank you for tuning in. We're on social media at Dirt Church Radio. You can email us at dirtchurchradio at gmail.com. You can find us on all the podcast platforms. Like and subscribe if you fancy. And you can download direct from the website, which is dirtchurchradio.com. Don't forget to write them with your greatest run ever. Uh, send them in to us, dirtchurchradio at gmail.com. We'd love to hear from you. And people love hearing them. We get so much feedback about it. And if you want some inspiration, go and have a look at our website. And you can read some of the back catalogue there. Thanks to our sponsors, Scott Running, Further Faster, and Cielli. Thank you to our Patreon patrons and Wild Things and Currents. And thank you to our editor, Kieran. Stay tuned next week. We've got another great show lined up. Kakiteano. Thanks, Rippy.